Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. As long as I'm following him, then if where I am right now is where God has me, then to complain against where I am is a complaint against God. It's saying, God, you're not good to me right now. God, you're not being fair to me right now. I don't, I don't, I don't appreciate where you have me right now. But again, if I walk in faith, then I would say, God, wherever you have me right now is where I'm supposed to be. It's where I'm going to flourish. It's where I'm going to learn of you the most. It's where I'm going to be molded into the man you want me to be. And if right now you have me here, then I got to be okay with that. I got to be good with wherever God has me at every season. Life often feels unsatisfying. It can feel like there's so much more out there that we're not a part of, that our own life feels a little lackluster. But today, Pastor Bill reminds us how important it is to be content with where God has you in life right now. Christ has a big picture plan, and just because we don't see it or don't know it doesn't mean that we're not a big part of it. Be careful to not be covetous of someone else's role in ministry. Step up and do the best that you can do because you're doing it for the Lord. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers chapter 4 as he begins his message, Spiritual Teamwork. This is what we've been covering. We started the book of Numbers. I told you guys it's, it's all about Numbers. There's been lots of counting already. The children of Israel were broken up into tribes and they counted all the men that were of age to go to war. And then in chapter 3, we, were, we counted all the Levites and uh, we made a, a point to note that the Levites, they didn't just count them from a certain age up, from infant males. And what they were looking at with the Levites was those that were going to have the potential to be of service, to be of uh, temple service or, or tabernacle service. And so uh, we talked about our kids and how that we need to see that within our kids, there's potential for them to be used, for them to serve God. Um, they were being counted as young. They were already being counted in the number of those that could be used. And so um, as we wrap up chapter three, the last part of what God was doing, God was there was a transition that God was making. And so I'm going to read chapter three, verse 44 and 45 real quick. It says, then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, take the Levites instead of the firstborn among the children of Israel and the livestock of the Levites instead of their livestock. The Levites shall be mine. I am the Lord. And so. There was a transition taking place in that God was saying, I always have taken the firstborn and that's been what you give to me. The firstborn, the firstborn son, the firstborn is always looked upon as the best, the most favorable is the best. The first one you got is the one you give in faith. I got it first. I don't know if I'm going to have another. And it was always what God had required them to give to him. God said, now, instead of your firstborn, I want the Levites to be set apart for me. There was a little bit of a discrepancy, though, because they had counted up their firstborn and they counted up the Levites and the Levites came up short. So there was not enough Levites to account for all the firstborn that God was taking instead. And so in verses 45 to 51, what God did was says they can be redeemed for a certain amount. And so in verse 47, it says, you shall take five shekels for each one individually. So for every, every Levite that I'm short, you're going to get five shekels. And that was, uh, there was redemption playing out there. So that was how chapter three ended up. God had set apart the Levites. They had been numbered. It had been broken down. How many of them were going to serve? Anybody remember what was the age that a Levite would serve from what age to what age would he serve? From age 20 to 50, um, that was the years that they could serve. So it's um, 
30. Every point up to that, they were, they were being prepared for, they knew what they were coming into. They knew that they would be serving. They were being prepared to serve. Uh, we find out in chapter 10 that they're actually taken at age 25. Uh, they're brought in and they're being trained hands-on. And so uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more later on. So this was a group of men that was set apart for service. Now as we jump into chapter 4 and people are given their assignments, this is why I titled the chapter Spiritual Teamwork, is that they had a work to do for the Lord, something God had required of them to do, something God was calling them to do, but God was also calling them to work with other people. Everybody was going to have their task, their job, their role to play. So look at chapter four. I'm going to read verses one through three. It says, then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, take a census of the sons of Kohath, from among the children of Levi, by their families, by their father's house, from 30 years old and above, even to 50 years old, all who enter the service to do the work of the tabernacle of meeting. And so they were taking, there are going to be three sons that we're going to look at, Kohath, Gershom, and Merari, uh, like Ferrari with an M, um, but you might pronounce it different. So those will be the three sons that we're going to look at in this chapter. They're going to be given roles. They're going to be given uh, oversight. They're going to be given jobs to do. The first one is Kohath, and there's going to be an assignment. There are going to be jobs that God gives to him, things that are required of him and expected of him. Later on in chapter 8, I said 10 earlier, I meant chapter 8, we're going to see that the priests entered into not their actual service time because it's from 30 to 50, but at 25, they were brought in. And this is kind of how it broke down for the men. Everyone age zero up to 25, they knew that they were headed in a direction. This is where God's calling me. I'm born into this family. I'm going to serve God as a Levite. I'm going to be in the tabernacle service in some way. From age 25 to 30, they were being poured into specifically. And most people believe, who was it that was pouring into the 25 up to 30 year old? Who was it that was doing that work? Most people believe it was the men that had retired at 50 because their temple duties ended at 50. And it wasn't like when you get done at 50, you have nothing else to do. Now, those that have retired at 50, their, their ministry was going to be to pour back into those that are getting ready to be used. And so there's a bit of a, a picture there in terms of how even the body of Christ should go. Um, we talked about this before, how that in Titus, the older women are encouraged to minister to the younger women. And uh, the younger men, are, are, we're encouraged to look to the elder men, to respect them, to receive from them. And within the body of Christ, we want the same dynamic. It, it isn't that those that are young are not useful yet, but they should be being poured into. Uh, there's some things that while someone's young and they have energy and time and opportunity, they may lack some wisdom that someone older may be able to pour to them. Someone that's older may have wisdom, but they may lack in ability or energy and those things. If you could just get it all to come together, then the work of God is going to continue to go forth in as vigorous a way, in as impactful a way as it can. So it's just important that we see it that way. And I think many times, I've mentioned this several times, we saw, I talked about it in Leviticus and I would mention again now, what happens many times is that older people are annoyed by the youngsters and youngsters feel put off by the older folks. And so there's separation. So you'll find a, a church that'll say, oh, this is a young church. Or you'll see a church that's like, this is an old church where everybody kind of finds a group that's just like them, that they're comfortable with and they stay there. Old group, a young group. But what we really need is to be mixed up a little bit because the older people need some 
young people around. And the young people need some older people to pour in. And we need some people in the middle that are still able to do and they're seasoned as they do the work. But I just want everybody here to get this point up front. Everybody at every age has something to do, something to offer, something that they're to offer to the Lord. Everyone at every age has something that they can serve, some way in which they can serve the Lord, something that they can offer the body. So uh, back to Numbers 4, look at verses 4 through 15. I'm going to read this whole chunk. It's explaining the service that was going to be required by um, the sons of Kohath. So verse 4, this is the service of the sons of Kohath in the tabernacle of meeting relating to the most holy things. When the camp prepares to journey, Aaron and his son shall come and they shall take down the covering veil and cover the ark of the testimony with it. So I have to point this out so it'll make sense to us. Israel was in camps. They would, they would set up camp somewhere and they would be in an area and then God would say, guys, it's time to go. Uh, you guys are pilgriming. You're moving somewhere. It's time to get going. So when it was time to go, this elaborate tabernacle that God had given all the details on how it was to be made and how it was to be carried and all these different things, it had to be packaged up and put away and it had to be carried in such a way. Now, we're going to see in the chapter that some people could touch some items and other people couldn't. Um, God gave specific things. This group is to package up these items, the poles and the bars and the wood and the, the tent coverings. This group is to deal with the furniture and the things that are inside the tabernacle. Everybody was going to have something that they were called by God to do. They were going to have an assignment. And when we come to that, I'll talk about how they got the assignments. Um, did they line up for it? Did they decide? Did they say, oh, I want that job? Ooh, 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 like kids in class. How did they get their assignments? And I think there's something in that for us as well. So everyone's going to have their job, but just note that this thing was going to regularly have to be set up and torn down. And so now God is telling them how it's to go and who's to do what. Uh, verse five, again, it says, when the camp prepares to journey, Aaron and his son shall come. And they shall take down the covering veil and cover the ark of the testimony with it. They shall put on it a covering of badger skins and spread over that a cloth entirely of blue. And they shall insert its poles on the table of showbread. They shall spread a blue cloth and put on it the dishes, the pans, the bowls, the pitchers for the pouring and the showbread shall be on it. They shall spread over them a scarlet cloth and cover the same with a covering of badger skins and they shall insert its poles. They shall take a blue cloth and cover the lampstand of the light with its lamps, its wick trimmers, its trays and all its oil vessels with which they service it. They shall put it with all its utensils in a covering of badger skins and put it on a carrying beam. Over the golden altar, they shall spread a blue cloth and cover it with the covering of badger skins and they shall insert its poles. Then they shall take all the utensils of the service which they minister in the sanctuary, put them in a blue cloth, cover them with a covering of badger skins and put them on uh, a carrying beam. Also, they shall take away the ashes from the altar, spread a purple cloth over it. They shall put on it its implements with which they minister there, the fire pans, the forks, the shovels, the basins, the utensils of the altar, and they shall spread on it a covering of badger skins and insert its poles. And when Aaron and his sons have finished covering the sanctuary and all the furnishings of the sanctuary, when the camp is set to go, then the sons of Kohath shall come to carry them, but they shall not touch any holy thing, lest they die. These are the things in the tabernacle of meeting which the sons of Kohath are to carry. So 
All of this here, and we, I, didn't, I didn't stop and go and detail into each one because we've already covered that earlier. But these are the sons of Kohath are to be the ones carrying all the things that go in the tabernacle. So they're carrying the showbread, the table of showbread. They're, covered, they're taking the, the lampstand. They're taking all these important items inside. I want you to note that everything had to be covered first. So they were to be covered up and it looked like the main packing, you know, I don't know when you guys pack up stuff today, we use newspaper. It looked like the main packing that they were using here was badger skins and different colored cloths that they were wrapping things up and covering them. And the sons of Kohath were not to come see these things or touch them until they were covered. And so first thing is, why is that? Each item in the tabernacle, they weren't to touch them. They weren't to look upon them until they were covered up. Why? Because these things were holy. These things were set apart. These things were, they were not to be handled by just anyone. They were not to be touched, seen, dealt with by just anyone. These were things that were special, set apart just for God's use. And so God said, look, you guys, when it's covered up, you move it. But don't be peering in. Don't take a peek. Don't look at it. Don't touch it until it's covered up. Least you die. He warns later on and we'll we'll come back to that. So first thing I want to look at with this group here is how they get this assignment. Every time it was time to go, their job was going to be to carry all this stuff that was already packaged up and to carry it and take it where they were to go. They didn't sign up for this. They didn't. They, no one came to them. Kind of like today when, you know, you're trying to encourage someone to get involved in ministry. You ask them, hey, do you, you know, is there anything that you have a heart for? Is there anything you desire to do? Is there anything almost asking people, there's, is there a way in which you want to serve? But I just want to point out back here, it wasn't that way. Right. God will come to them and say, look, you, 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 you're going to do this. You're going to package it up. You're going to carry it. You're going to set it up. You're going to move it next time. But everybody had their specific job. They were given assignments. They were told what to do. They were under the law to do these things. And I was reading this earlier thinking, I think ministry would be easier if it could be done like this. If I could just walk around church and say, you've been here a year, your assignment is this. Bam. You've been here, your assignment is that. Just give out assignments. Let people do them. But you know what would be wrong with that is this is, a, oh, this is another testament. This is a different covenant. This is a different way that they related to God. Back here, they were under the law. They were told here, if you peer in, touch this stuff in a way that God had told you not to, you'll die, right? Anybody here ever serve in a wrong way? Anybody ever mess up serving? I have. I'm still here. <laughs> I didn't die, you know? Um, we're, we're just under a different, we're under grace. It's very different for us. I don't believe that God would have it to be today where someone would come in and say, you're going to do this, you're going to do this, and then you're like, okay, well, then that's what I have to do. I have to do it. Because at the end of the day, you would, you would begin to serve man. You, you'd be doing it because you've been told to do it. We're in a position now under grace where God says, you don't have to do anything. You get to do something. Now, there's one similarity between them and us, and this is it. They had a specific assignment, and so do you. God gave them an assignment, right? It wasn't something that they thought up. It wasn't something that they said, this is what I want to do in the ministry. God said, bam, that's your assignment. This is what you're supposed to do. Every Christian has an assignment. There's something you're supposed to do. And Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship. The Bible says we are Christ's workmanship. It says created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God says there's a good work that's already been prepared. It's been pre-prepared for you that you should walk in them. And so there's, there's an assignment for me, there's an assignment for you that we should be walking in. And so everyone here, we want to seek the Lord for what is that? 
And many of us know what our assignment is. We know that we're called to do this. I know I've been gifted in this area and God's given me these abilities. These are ways in which I'm able to serve God and minister to the body. And many of us are using our gifts in that way. And that's what we want to do with this life. You want to walk in your assignment. You want to serve God faithfully in the area where he's assigned you and called you. What you don't want to be, you don't want to get comfortable as a believer walking around with no assignment. Where I just, I'm here, but I don't have an assignment. Just kind of just here, hanging out. You don't want to be comfortable doing that for too long. Um, Somebody get born again, they get to be a baby for a while. They just get to come and get fed and loved on and nurtured and taken care of. And that's appropriate for a while. But you've been saved 10 years and you don't got no assignment. That's wrong. There's something wrong with that. You want to have an assignment. So it's kind of like this. The kids all went back to school. And for us parents, your kids come home, you you do homework. Did you do your homework? Did you have homework today? Did you do your homework today? And if your kid comes home all year and say, I don't have no assignments. I don't have no assignments. You'd be a little concerned about that. What are you doing then? I mean, what, what are you learning? What are you doing? How do you go all year and get no assignments? We all know better than that. We know that they'll have some assignments. And so spiritually speaking, you and I have assignments. And it's, we'll see as we go through that it's my assignment that I get is going to impact someone else you guys assignments we all have assignments and we'll see with these guys if the cohab their job was to carry the stuff but there's other stuff that the other groups of guys are going to carry and if everybody doesn't do their part it doesn't work out that way it doesn't work out well everybody's got to do their part and so it's there's a there's spiritual teamwork uh, we talked about this in a previous study but the sons of Kohath we're not going to be able to look at the sons of Gershom and say how come they get the I want to carry what they're carrying and the sons of Merari are not going to be able to look at the sons of Kohath and say, I wanted to carry the, the lampstand. I wanted to carry the, show, the this table of showbread. Everyone's been given their particular assignment and everybody needs to be at peace with the assignment that they have. That this is what they're called to do for the Lord. So last thing on this that I would say is, and I would just challenge everybody to consider yourself in this. Because what I've seen over the years is I've seen some people that seem to do better under pressure. Uh, and this is what I mean, under man's pressure. Um, if there's man there saying, do this and holding you accountable and looking for you to do it, there are people that they'll do a whole lot under that sort of, that sort of leadership. Um, they'll work really hard. They'll go beyond what they might really even have a heart to do. But you put that same person under grace where they, now you get to choose how much you want to do. They don't do so well. And I want to challenge all of us that we be people that do well under grace, that we don't need a man pressing us, right? You look at the difference between a shepherd and a, a, someone that's, you know, shepherds lead sheep. Kind of, it's a real gentle thing. They lead, they, they go in front, they, they use their voice and they lead them somewhere. Um, but if you look at someone that's herding buffalo, they're behind them, they're poking them in the butt. You know, they're, it's, a, it's, a, it's a whole different interaction, someone herding buffalo than someone leading sheep. And we have a good shepherd and he wants to lead us. And he leads us by his voice. He leads us by his spirit. He leads us by his word. God doesn't want to get behind you and go, get, get, and be poking you and prodding you. He wants to be in front leading you out. And so we want to, we want to develop that where God, I want to be able to be led. I don't want to be driven. The thing I was asking you to consider for yourself is, do you serve well under grace? When you have the liberty to do whatever you want, how do you do in that scenario? And I know for me and my wife, we, um, when we first, when I first got saved, we were going to a church together that was very small. And I think that her and I were there serving, 
There were some weeks we were there all seven days of the week. We were Monday night, choir practice. You know, Tuesday night, something. Wednesday night, midweek study. Thursday night, young adults. Friday night, something else. You know, Saturday, deacon meeting. Sunday, church morning, church evening, maybe a visiting somewhere else. I mean, we were there all the time. And then once you get there, that, I, I almost think that's how they kept people. They just kept giving you jobs to do. I need you to do that. I need you to do that. I'd be, me and this other guy be there overnight, Friday night, when they were selling barbecue dinners on Saturday, cooking up the barbecue. we literally be there overnight at the church, barbecuing up. They had a fireworks stand. I would stay overnight, could secure in the fireworks stand with other guys. Seven days a week, you'd be there serving, 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 serving. And I remember being there. And if you didn't show up on a particular Sunday, you were getting a call. If you didn't work there by a certain hour, you were going to get ringed up. Hey, where you at? What's going on? Um, you know, there was, a, there was a, a lot of pressure of man to, to perform and to do things. And I remember when we left that and we went to Calvary Chapel Downey, huge, big old church. I mean, we, we could have not went, nobody would have knew. We could have not gave, nobody would have known. But I remember when I got there, I realized for the first time, right now, it's, I'm, I really feel like this is, I get to choose to be in fellowship regularly. You know, like, now I don't feel a pressure, like if I don't come, someone's gonna call me. So now if I'm coming, I, I, it was a liberating thing to feel like I, I actually wanna go. I'm going because I, I wanna go. But if I didn't want to go, no one would be calling me. And it felt good to know that this is what I want to do. I want to be there. And I want to be involved. And I want to go to that. And I want to serve. But I didn't get to experience that until I was in a place where there wasn't the other pressure, you know. And so I just challenge all of us to consider what kind of person we are. You know, rather we can serve well under grace. Or do you need someone prodding you behind? Because that's not really the way that the Lord wants to lead us here and now. And so that was the sons of Kohath. And that was how they were called to serve. Look at verse 16. The appointed duty of Eliezer, the son of Aaron the priest, is the oil for the light, the sweet incense, the daily grain offering, the anointing oil, the oversight of the tabernacle, of all that is in it with the sanctuary and its furnishing. So Eliezer, the son of Aaron, was going to be given oversight. He was going to be in a position of overseeing all these really important things, anointing oil, the daily grain offerings, the sweet incense. Um, these were things that only the priest was to be handling and the priest was to be dealing with. And so this is Eliezer's, this is, this is his role, this is his job, this is the part he plays in the body. And once again, um, the sons of Kohath couldn't look at Eliezer and say, I want to be an overseer. Well, I got to be under somebody else. Well, I got to carry things like a donkey and he get to oversee and handle fine, delicate stuff. Everybody had their place, right? Everybody had their role. Everybody had the part that they were supposed to be playing. And I, I won't ask you to raise your hand, but anybody here ever been, ever, you ever been in a scenario where you wondered why you were where you were and someone else was where they were? It could be at work. It could be in sports. It could be a ministry, but have you ever been in a place where you, you're looking at someone else and wondering, how come they're there and I'm here? I want to be in that role. And I would just tell you right now, it's a really, really unhealthy place for a believer to be. I've always got to look at where God has me. As long as I'm following him, that if where I am right now is where God has me, then to complain against where I am is a complaint against God. It's saying, God, you're not good to me right now. God, you're not being fair to me right now. I don't, I don't, I don't appreciate where you have me right now. But again, if I walk in faith, then I would say, God, wherever you have me right now is where I'm supposed to be. It's where I'm going to flourish. It's where I'm going to learn of you the most. It's where I'm going to be molded into the man you want me to be. And if right now you have me here, then I got to be okay with that. I got to be good with wherever God has me at every season. Uh, all we want to make sure is that we're, we're there on assignment, that God has you where you are. 
Now, if you done ran away from the Lord and got yourself off into some mess, it, it wouldn't be bad to stop and reset. But if you've been walking with the Lord and he has you in a place, be content. Don't ever want for something else when God has you somewhere. Be content where he has you. You've been listening to another edition of A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Thanks for tuning in. The book of Numbers, well, it has a lot of numbers, but there's much more in this book than that. During their long, drawn-out journey, the Israelites' faith in God is tested. In return, these wayward people test God's patience towards them. But God remains faithful and true in looking out for His chosen people. When you think about it, it's no different today. People disobey and test God's patience, while they also endure hardships and challenges that they wouldn't have desired. But in all, God remains faithful through and through. If you missed any part of this series in the book of Numbers, you can hear these messages by going to CalvaryInglewood.org. A Transforming Word is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. If you're ever in the Inglewood area, we'd like to meet you. Our service times are on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you're unable to visit in person, we stream our services online. For more information, such as directions and links to media pages, just visit CalvaryInglewood.org. Again, that website is CalvaryInglewood.org. Thanks for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of Numbers, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. You might be surprised by how things in this book might apply to the very things you're working through in your own life. So be sure to join us again to hear and be challenged by a transforming word.